Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we read from the very beginning of Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. Now I would argue this is the blueprint for Christianity. Everything that we need to know about Christianity is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5 and chapter 6. And Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount. Now, it's a basic biblical truth. Whenever we see or hear mountains in the sacred scripture, that's a sacred place. It's where we encounter God. I'll give me some examples of this. Noah, after the flood, he beaches his ark on Mount Ararat and establishes a new covenant with God in the figure of the rainbow. Abraham and Isaac, they climb Mount Moriah that they encounter God. Jesus, he climbs Mount Tabor and is miraculously transfigured before his apostles. At the end of Jesus' life, he climbs Mount Calvary. And in his crucifixion, the eyes of the world are opened up and the world realizes God is dying to save the world. Well, Jesus does this. At the very beginning of chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, he climbs a mountain. So we know this is a very important place. And Jesus is going to teach us something incredibly important. So we have to take it in. We have to be very attentive to it. Jesus is going to lay out everything that we need to know about Christianity. Take it a step further. He climbs a mountain and he's surrounded by a great crowd. Well, it conjures up images of Moses. Moses, remember, he climbs Mount Sinai and he spends 40 days and 40 nights conversing with God before God gives him the Ten Commandments and he takes it down to the Israelites. Well, now Jesus goes up a mountain. He's not going to receive the law from God because he's God himself. In fact, he is the law incarnate. What he's going to do is he's going to give the Christians the law. Now notice, as soon as he gets up the mountain, he sits down. Well, that's the posture of a teacher in the ancient world. In the ancient world, teachers always sat. They never stood. Their pupils, their students sat at the feet of their master. Well, Jesus now does just that. He's going to teach us, so we have to be very attentive to what he says. Now, notice the first beatitude. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, the word blessed, remember, the Bible is originally written in Greek. The word that Jesus uses as blessed is makarios, which can also be translated as happy are you, lucky are you, happy are you that you are poor in spirit. So what are we to make of this? Why is this the first of all the Beatitudes? Well, because pride is the deadliest probably of all the sins. A prideful person says what? I make myself the center of my life. Essentially, God is no longer the center of my life, but I am. My life is all about me, my wants, my desires, my pleasures. 
everything else, everyone else in this world is second. Well, it's the self-fulfilling voice. And that's so prevalent in our culture. It's the voice of sin. And so it begs the question, who are the poor in spirit? It's the person that's emptied themselves out, emptied their ego out. A person that can honestly say, I live for God, that God is the center of my life. I think Paul puts it the best in Galatians 2.19. Paul says, it is no longer I who lives, but God who lives in me. A person that is poor in spirit has emptied themselves out. And now Christ is assuming the proper position at the center of their life. Well, a person that is poor in spirit completely depends upon God. See, this is the reason why this is the first beatitude. It's the first beatitude because it's the most important. If we don't follow or adhere to this first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, then we cannot live out the other beatitudes. You could say this first beatitude is the foundation in which all the others rest upon. The next, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, lucky you are. Happy you are if you are sad. Well, this is so countercultural, isn't it? You know, we all strive for happiness, to live upbeat lives. Well, what is Jesus really saying? Happy are you if you are not addicted to good feelings. You know, so many of us want to always feel good. Well, part of living the Christian life is sometimes we have to suffer a little bit. Sometimes we are challenged. Just look at the lives of the saints. You know, do they always live good lives, happy lives? No. Some of them live some very hard lives. You know, they suffered, you know, to a great degree throughout their lives. Well, when we make Christ the center of our life, when we make truth the center of our life, well, sometimes we have to suffer. You know, how lucky you are if you have to suffer in the name of Christ. Well, you're in good company because the saints did just that. Again, lucky you are that you're not addicted to good feelings. You know, blessed are you that you don't allow moral or ethical integrity to be compromised by an attitude of, well, everyone else is doing it. Well, then it must be okay. Well, wrong. Instead, if Christ is at the center of our life, well, maybe we have to suffer. But blessed are we. Because we're not addicted to those happy feelings. We always don't need that rush of being exalted all the time. Next, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. Well, history teaches us powerful people, ruthless people, inherit the world. If you look at world leaders, Caesar, Napoleon, Pol Pot, Stalin, Hitler, These were people that were addicted to power, and they were ruthless in pursuit of that power. But once they got that power, they were miserable. What is Jesus really saying here? Lucky you are, happy you are, that you are detached of the goods of this world, that you now are free to pursue God's will. Your will is not wrapped up in honor, power, notoriety. If it were, you would always be striving to get those things. You know, just like those corrupt leaders of our world history. So Jesus is telling us, happy you are that you detach yourself from all those things in this world 
And now you are free to pursue God's will in a life of holiness. Next, he says, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Well, we have to realize Christianity is not a passive religion. You know, all of our energy needs to focus on holiness. You know, look at the saints. They thirsted for righteousness. It was their deepest passion, their deepest quest. And so too must we. We have to hunger and thirst for righteousness, a right relationship with God, holiness. Once again, look at the saints. They embodied this beatitude. They hungered and thirsted always for righteousness and holiness. And God gave them the grace to be just that, holy and righteous people. So too must we, if we want to really be holy people. Next, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are clean of heart, they shall see God. Our heart must be centered on God and God alone, such that what? Not just our heart, but our will, our intellect, our soul, our mind, is always centered on God, to serve God. See, when that happens, we are properly disposed to not only welcome the presence of God into this world, but see the world through the eyes of God, and then respond to it with acts of charity, kindness, virtue. Finally, Jesus says, Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you, and utter every evil against you falsely because of me. Your reward will be great in heaven. Well, what is he saying again? Lucky are you. Happy are you if you are persecuted in my name. Well, that's a great measure of how well we're doing, is the level that we are opposed. You know, there's that attitude. I always speak about it. I'm okay. You're okay. We're, we're all okay. Well, we're not. If that were true, we would be in no need for a Savior. Well, we all need a Savior, Jesus Christ, in our life. If you look again at the lives of the saints, they were always opposed. You know, some of them were even persecuted, some even martyred. But they fought that opposition. Again, the last thing that the devil wants for you to do is to grow in the love and the knowledge of your faith. Well, notice what Jesus says. Happy are you, lucky are you, if you know the right path of holiness and you don't deviate from it, despite opposition. One last thought. The Beatitudes, when taken as a whole, they really describe the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, crucified. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, Jesus emptied himself as he mounted the cross. Blessed are they who mourn. Well, Jesus suffered for our redemption. Blessed are the meek. You know, Jesus detached himself from all the goods of this world to do the Father's will. Blessed are you who are persecuted. Well, Jesus was constantly opposed throughout his entire ministry. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians. He was greatly opposed when he was nailed to the cross. And so these Beatitudes embody Jesus Christ. As I said before, these Beatitudes, essentially it's the blueprint of Christianity. Everything that we know, need to know about the Christian life. But most importantly, they embody Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's so important for us to not just read these Beatitudes, but live them out to the best of our abilities. Because when we do, then we embody 
the risen Christ ourselves in this world. Strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread this gospel passage for this weekend. The very beginning of Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, they embody Jesus Christ. When we live these out each and every day of our life, we embody the risen Lord ourselves to those people maybe that need his presence in their life more than ever. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.